Howdy. Welcome to Healthcare Ain't Easy. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Chris Matthew, and I appreciate you sharing time with me and my guest today, Richard Blanton. As we continue to explore the challenges of healthcare and the healthcare industry is facing, we know that there are many things we have to figure out. But we also know that communication and collaboration are among the first steps for a successful outcome for all of us. Rich, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here, Chris. So Richard Blanton is my partner and uh, the CEO and co-founder, a uh, founder of Sniffle, uh, Sniffle Health. Um, Rich has got, has been a CEO with global experience and it is incredible actually for me to be able to sit shotgun alongside you and, and I learn a tremendous amount on a daily basis. But Rich is also a serial entrepreneur. He's had uh, lots of business experience around the globe, as I mentioned, but five startups, five successful exits, one of which went public. Batting a thousand. Batting a thousand. <laughs> That's pretty good. Let's hope this, that we don't mess that that perfect record up here with Sniffle. No, we're not going to. I think Sniffle's, uh, it's time for a product like Sniffle and, and an approach that um, you know we've come up with to address the, the needs of the healthcare community and leveraging technology that, that um, otherwise wouldn't be available to the consumer or to the, the healthcare community. So um, really excited to get um, the sniffle into the hands of our doctors and our, our patients. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, uh, I think, well, I don't know necessarily all of your previous endeavors, but I think that we have the opportunity to, to create something that is bigger than either one of us could have ever imagined it to be. No, I agree. I think it, the most important thing is, you know, virtual care as a whole is a viable means of rendering and receiving healthcare. The challenge has been, it's really been suppressed by telemedicine service providers, which is not good for the industry as a whole. Um, it really doesn't, bode well for the credibility of the of the modality and it really excludes a lot of people that don't have a membership per se or aren't part of an organization that's contracted with one of these uh, service providers albeit they've done us a great justice in making everybody aware that virtual care is a viable means of, of getting getting uh, treatment absolutely uh, and we're going to dive into more of that here in a little bit but before all that give us the highlight reel of where you're from and, and what experiences helped shape you to who you are today? Okay, to be honest, I'm, uh, if anybody, I'm from Ohio, I'm a Buckeye. I went to Ohio State. Uh, my dream was to be a professional baseball player. Okay. And uh, did well at it, was drafted and, and uh, continued to play amateur baseball later on, but um, spent five years in the Air Force. And that was probably the most enjoyable, most um, enriching five years of my life. It was. Uh, I traveled and lived um, abroad. Where? And I was in Guam for five years. Guam? For, well, actually three years, not five, three okay. years. Um, interesting job I had there. I can't share a lot of the detail with you, but it was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, beaches, uh, you know, I was on the alert force. So I was on 24 hours and then off 72 hours. On 24 hours, off 72. So I got to the beach a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot uh, of diving, a lot of fun. So growing up in Ohio... Uh, military background, um, pursuing the Air Force, you know, were those things that your family had, had done? Yeah. Uh, and exactly. So it's, it was something that was part of a family tradition. 
my grandfather, father, brother, uh, me, you know, yeah. that was, uh, you know, that's just what we did. And, uh, we did our, made our commitment and, 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 uh, gave our service and, and, um, some of them stayed in a little longer than I, 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 and it was in for five and I wanted out to see the rest of the world yeah. <laughs> on my own ticket. Well, thank you for your service. Um, so then the life of business and the life of being an entrepreneur, where did that come from? Well, you know, I don't know, just restlessness, seeing opportunities out there and understanding there's always a better way to do something or there's a, a need that needs to be filled that's not being filled with the right stakeholders in mind. And so I've been successful in doing that. So starting with, in the beginning with supply chain really was, was the, the, um, you know, the, the ethos for where I started, um, the idea of delivering software through the internet versus the internet being a toy. Um, that was an interesting, uh, um, part of my life where, I was the youngest uh, CEO of AMR Services, and we had a, you know, a huge infrastructure of warehouses and call centers, and we commercialized it with the uh, the growing of the internet and, and e-commerce, and um, that was really uh, an exciting time. That was an exciting time. We had we had just like now we have a we had a solution to a problem that. Um, empowered and enabled and re a lot of companies, a lot of businesses. So we integrated over 2 million square feet of warehouse across the U.S. We had 5,000 call center seats, had a browser-based OMS system, owner management system. So if you wanted to sell something on the internet, it was, uh, you just plugged into us. Sounds like you're talking about Amazon. Yeah. Well, that was uh, funny you should mention. We had I had a call one day <laughs> and I'm in my office and my admin's in there with me. And uh, it was funny because I needed a new phone system. We outgrew our phone system in, in like two months. So I called the phone company back and Executone was the name of that company. And I said, hey, look, we, can you give us a bigger one? Take this one back. Real quick. You had to call a phone company to buy phone lines? No, 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 no. I had to call Executone, the, the people who sold us the phone system, the okay. ACD. So the answer to me was, no, we, we'll give you 10 cents on the dollar, but we do have somebody that outgrew their system. You're welcome to call them to see if they'd sell it to you because they're going to buy another system. I go, okay. Called him up, got him on the phone, talked to him for a few minutes and said, yeah, he is, I have 75 stations, um, happy to sell it to you, blah, blah, blah. We chit-chatted a little bit and I finally asked, I said, well, you know, what is your business model? What are you doing? How are you growing so fast? He goes, well... We sell books online. I said, "Well, that's uh, that's good. It's great." And I, I hang up the hung up the phone, and I thought I looked over at Lori and I said, "Man, what a what a dumb business model in Amazon. What a dumb name. That's that, that's not going to go anywhere." <laughs> but uh, as we all know, <laughs> so you didn't get that one right, but you got five others right. Um, yeah. So what was the process of getting into these different global organizations? That kind of led you to where we are today? Well, I, with the global organizations, I was hired as their CEO. Um, we had about $13 billion under under assets under management, $13 million in assets under management, and they needed more um, representation in North America. So you know, they, they hired the little American CEO to uh, bring them into America a little stronger. Um, 
we had uh, offices in London and in Mumbai, um, and you know that was that organization is uh, a conglomerate of interest in uh, hospitals, um, eight or nine hospitals. We had uh, an interest in Nissan, um, so it was a very interesting job. Um, the the intent here in North America was directed towards, at the time, was an outsourcing, the labor arbitrage back in India. But um, and then with Indra, uh, Indra Systemis, um, I took over North America for them with the um, um, with the relationships I had at, at Bechtel and, and Accenture. It really helped us with um, penetrating the energy market here. Um, energy. So. It's always interesting when I when we talk about that experience working for a company based out of Spain and <laughs> what would happen every August. Well, every August was uh, everybody had to go on holiday, and it didn't matter what you were working on. It really didn't matter if you were working on. You're about to close the biggest deal in the world on July 31st, oh, yeah. and we're out of office. It's holiday, and they take it serious. It's 30 days off, um, and it the work day there in Madrid when I'm in my office we eat lunch at two we come back at four five work for a couple more hours go home and then go to dinner at 10 o'clock at night that went on for months while I was there it was it was just a different lifestyle but uh Andrew great company it's the kind of company you'd hire when cost doesn't matter you just need that right big in defense um simulator systems for the defense system and for uh, nuclear installations uh, across the globe. So I handled all their M&A and uh, brought them into the North American energy market, a deregulated market, was recently deregulated, um, and renewable energy too. That was, that's a very interesting market. It, it was very interesting for me to uh, understand what a criticism study was and to understand you know, what the cost of having, you know, how many megawatts uh, or a megawatt put up on a tower and uh, T.B. Pickens got involved and kind of shut us down a little bit at that time. I'll give you a little story on that later, but uh, it was interesting. It was fun. So those experiences, um, how, how do you go from working in London and New York City and, and India and, and throughout Spain and Madrid to coming up with Sniffle? <laughs> that's a, that's a, there's a lot of points there that don't seem like they follow each other. Well, I'll give you, a, the truth is uh, with Indra, um, I wasn't busy enough. Just didn't have enough to do in front of me. I mean, we would, we would land, you know, $100 million project for wind farm, and that's a two-year cycle. And there's not much you do between now and the time we go to implementation of that, or an ETR, energy trading system, out of uh, PG&E. We, nothing we could do, or nothing I could do for a couple of years. So I played golf a lot, to be honest with you. And I felt guilty because they're paying me a lot of money to play golf, but you really, you know, having resources in Spain, and one of the barriers was language, um, you know, only sufficient enough to take on the projects that we had, Put me on the bench for a little while so I, all i could do is play golf and i started consulting i was consulting with a uh, uh with a firm and uh, an insurance company who had gotten in crossways with uh, insurance brokerage firm got crossways with some of the underwriters with for the practices and 
while I was there, they mentioned, this back in 2011, mentioned this thing called telemedicine. I thought, what's that? Kind of a quirky little name. I thought, what is telemedicine? Well, you can have a doctor visit over the phone. I said, really? And I mean, a real visit? Yeah, right prescription, whole thing. That caught my ear. So I called New York, some guys I knew uh, that were investment bankers. And I said, you know about telemedicine? Oh, man, yeah, it's a hot thing right now. We're throwing money at, at it left and right. But primarily device stuff. Uh, they were device companies they were, they were funding. Um, I dug into it a little bit more. I really thought that was a, a real breakthrough to be able to receive viable medical care without having to go to the doctor. That's unique. So that's when I got involved with it and uh, tried to acquire a firm here in, in, in Dallas called Ameridoc. And we went through you know, a year's worth of due diligence, uh, due diligence and negotiation. I got a chance to look up under the hood at Teladoc also, you know, how they did the business. Um, all along, though, I'll be real honest with you, I really couldn't palette the idea of a membership program for healthcare. It just really, and to this day, it still bothers me. Why? Well, if, if I need to see a doctor, I shouldn't have to pay a fee to a group, to a third party, to have access to a, a doctor that'll see me. A doctor I probably don't even know. Or they don't, I know they won't know me. And just that whole concept of healthcare, it, it was kind of the, an anomaly to what healthcare, you know, meant to me. And to most people, I think, when you think of going to the doctor, you have a picture in your mind of seeing, you know, a doctor you're going to see again, maybe. Your doctor. Your doctor, yeah. exactly. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, it was, it was, uh, it was an opportunity. I jumped on, jumped in both feet. I called some friends in Madrid. We brought some money in and uh, tried to acquire Meridoc. And um, long story short, the owner's wife didn't want to sell. <laughs> she had a little bit more pull than we thought. And then Teladoc ended up buying them. So uh, a lot of moves were being made back then. Um, so that, that's pretty beneficial. Yeah, huge. I mean, the the, the benefit that Teladoc and Doctor on Demand, these other companies provided, can't be um, ignored. I mean, it's really, they've done us a good job of, of blazing a trail and creating awareness uh, albeit, um, they stuck to their old insurance models, which uh, has always been. It's why I don't use the word telemedicine. I only use it when I speak about those folks, because virtual care is um, it's an ethos. It's an ecosystem. It's it's where you go to see your doctor. Um, anyway, long story short, went through a couple of uh, consulting gigs with some folks trying to start telemedicine companies up because I really liked it. They all wanted to do the same thing. They all wanted to offer, you know, access to a network of doctors that would do consults for 20 bucks. And uh, they'll see any random physician or any random patient. Patients will see any random doctors. They, they all wanted to do the same thing. Uh, and they're, they're out there a dime a dozen. Um, eventually, you know, I found a sniffle. Wanted to do it and put a spin on it. And not a spin, but a, a business model behind it that meant that really isolated uh, the true stakeholders and put them in play. So I have patients and doctors in this model that benefit each other and not some third party getting some membership fee so you can see the doctor and putting doctors behind a paywall, if you will. Um, it, it, 
just a pet peeve of mine. I don't. I think doctors should be accessible to everybody, and you know, they should be able to render their care uh, when a patient needs their care, not if the patient's paid their membership fee. So, well, I completely agree with you. Um, when we first met about three years ago, when I learned about the business model of Sniffle, I immediately recognized it's a winner because I. I see that you structured this to be able to serve patients first and physicians and clinicians. And by doing that, you know, in a, another episode, we had a, a benefit broker here talking to us about how many layers of people are in between the doctor and her patients. Yeah. And it is unbelievable how many people are clawing in here, taking a piece. And unfortunately, some of these other business models, while we are, I agree with you, we are grateful that they blaze the trail they allowed telemedicine and telehealth to get out there. Yeah. But the business models are still flawed. And this being able to really support continuity of care, physician and her patients coming together to maintain that relationship and that connection. Um, you know, I think about my wife and, and our boys and my son had a pediatric appointment this morning. Um, that pediatrician, she's been with our boys literally from the day they were born. So you think of when you're taking kids to the doctor? That's who I think of. It's yeah. who my wife thinks of. It's who our boys right. think of. I mean, it's, and, and she knows of this life cycle of them because of over this continuity of nine and seven years, she has been seeing and watching them develop and grow. And that is priceless for us because when we think something is off, she's the person we can turn to that has that, that depth of knowledge not just a one-time incident, right? Yeah. And that, that's really meaningful. The history, the history, you know, how, how did that antibiotic work last time I saw him? Is he, is he getting the fevers back? Is, those are the things that are important. I, you know, I feel the same way. When you think about seeing a doctor, you develop a relationship with them. That's what healthcare is. It's yeah. about relationships. That doctor gets to know you. And sure enough, in virtual care, there's going to be that time when they're going to say, hey, I want blood work. Yeah. I need, I need you to get a lab done. Um, but for the most part, 90% of our visits are going to be, you know, colds, rashes, flus, things you need to take care of. Um, beyond that, you know, we've provided in Sniffle an opportunity where people can diagnose themselves in the app, which with regard to, you know, our, you know, mission statement, if you will, our why, is bringing technology to the fingertips of physicians and patients and enabling them to interact in a way that um, creates efficiency and better health for everybody. So we're not, we're, we don't look at a means of, well, let's charge a membership. Let's be uh, one of the stakeholders in that relationship. If we provide value, we'll, we'll make our money. We'll, we'll be paid. So we offer that technology and it, and a little deeper, um, level of participation on the patient level if they choose to use our technology to access other benefits that are built into the app. I mean, an RX discount card. Nobody knew what that was. Discounts on RX, the markup's crazy. They, they a lot of wiggle room in the, in the price. No doubt. So, good RX comes out with an RX discount card. It's like this revelation. Well, little do you know that 20 years before good RX, there were RX discount cards out there you could get. But if you didn't have the technology or the knowledge, you wouldn't know about it. You would only acquire that that discount card through some other 
membership program that you might have to buy into AARP or something of that nature. Right. Um, this is the these are the things that I think uh, Sniffle really brings to the consumer is visibility to things that would have never been exposed to if it weren't for the technology. Yeah. And you can open up our app and you can find a, a dentist that will provide a, a teeth cleaning for thirty five dollars. That um, and these are tier one dentists. This is the dentists that have decided to do it cheap. These are ones that have. You know, agreed and have a contract, a payer contract with Aetna. They're the, you know, uh, the real deal. Yeah, you know, the real deal. So you go there and you get when you would, but you wouldn't know without the Sniffle app if you go in and had those your teeth came for thirty five bucks or a teeth whitening for one hundred fifty. Right. It's part of the consumer ethos now too. It's, it's mobile first. Go to your phone. Yeah, you know, I I would I'd love that concept. Phone first, right? And we we talk about this with our team internally. Mobile banking, when it first came out, seemed like a ridiculous right. thing. Like, no, I have to go sign the back of my check, drive up, drive and, and they have to actually scan it. And then it was like, take a picture of your check. What are you right. talking about? And right. now now the idea of, you know, phone-first banking is, I don't go to the, I, the last time I filled out a loan application, it was through my app. <laughs> I got approved instantaneously, and the, the cash was wired the next day. Yeah. That, was, that was the extent of it. And, and I think that that's where, you know, healthcare is going. Healthcare ain't easy, right? The, the ain't is AI. AI. We're using AI. We're bringing technology together to help people do more with less. And I think that's where healthcare has a tremendous opportunity. Absolutely. We can does. help people lean into a phone-first healthcare system, an ecosystem. And I'm really proud that that our team is, we built this incredible platform to help uh, you know create this positive impact. What I want to ask you about is, who do you believe is best served by AI and technology and solutions being applied to healthcare? Who can be best served by that? Well, who wouldn't be best served? Honestly, it's going to be part of our life. It's here, um, regardless. Of so everyone. Everyone, everybody. So there's a lot of apprehension, a lot of fear, and rightfully so. I mean, it's gunslinging out there. None of it's curated. You can go out there, you can put lemon meringue pie in you're going to get something back, and it's going to be pretty doggone impressive. Unless you curate it, you you use the AI engine, and you purpose it for something, it is really nothing more than a very underutilized um, advancement in our technology, in our, in our world today. So, and our, our goal was to give consumers purpose for artificial intelligence, not to give them a link to a chat GPT. Ours is not chat GPT. When you go into our app and you, you want to get a diagnosis off our app, it's curated data. It's going to a large machine learning database to pull from 14 million consults that have been done, encounters that have been done regarding the symptoms that you have. So it's not a, a toy. It's not something that this, is This is not Dr. Google. Dr. Google at all. And, and it gives you a diagnosis an diagnosis, if, if, as we term it, because a true diagnosis really cannot be provided other than from the physician. And we'll get into that, and you have a, a good way of putting that. Um, but from our perspective, giving patients visibility to their symptoms and what's happening in their body, and I'm talking about everything. If you have appendicitis, this app will tell you you have appendicitis, and it'll be correct. It'll be right. It, it's not 
it'll tell you to get to the ER. And when right. you get to the ER, the doctor's going to go, yeah, you have appendicitis. Good thing you got here. Yeah. There's a lot that technology is going to help us do, and, and it's early. We're really early. I, I share this often. You know, first time the stethoscope came out, the first time the lab, a, a lab test came out, yeah. the first MRI machine, everyone was a little skeptical. What in the world? Now it's part of everyday medicine, and, and I think that AI and advanced technology is going to, it's going to find a way. We're going to create phone-first healthcare in, in the coming future. Just, you know, just a kind of analogy, back in the day uh, with AIM, I looked at the internet as a tool to disperse software, to distribute software, and to use and put browser-based systems up to manage supply chains. But the internet was, to everybody else, they hadn't found a purpose for it yet. And great, it's entertainment. It was AOL chat rooms. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> they could uh, listen to music. Right. But um, finding purpose for AI right now is, is uh, and curated um, purpose is an opportunity for for us right now in the healthcare space. So. Yeah. All right. So I want a final question. Chris Shembra is a fantastic author, uh, Wall Street Journal, best-selling author, in fact. He's got this book that uh, I really appreciate called Gratitude and Pasta. And he asks, he puts on these incredible experiences and he brings people together and he asks them this one question and it is really transformational what people can open up to and share when, when they answer this question. So. The question for you, Rich, is... I'm on the spot here now. And you are. Like, but, but this is an easy question. You got All this. Right. If you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, who would that be? Um, probably my dad. You know, my dad. He's, uh, he, he, he always asked me why. And he always gave me a, a platform to argue. If I didn't like it when I was a kid, he would, and I did the same thing with my children. They, <laughs> they turned out great. Um, but I think, always ask him why. Uh, and if it was a no, I, he, I, was a, I was allowed to ask why. Um, so that and, you know, my church. Yeah. You, you, gotta, you stay grounded, you stay focused. Um, always ask why. Uh, and don't be afraid to to ask the why. Um, I think it helps. Yeah, I think you know, asking why, especially when, you, when you're when you an entrepreneur, well, you've had, you're batting a thousand. I've had lots of losing uh, endeavors. and But asking why is a really resilient way to figure out how to get it right the next time. And I, I think that that's fantastic. Well, I'm really grateful for our collaboration and our partnership. Thank you very much for tuning in to Healthcare Ain't Easy, and we'll chat soon.